0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Super Episode 20 of The Companion to The Companion. We made it to 20. (sighs) And this is a pretty special show. We've got 7-8-1994 at Great Woods, Massachusetts. The final game, Henge. We will be discussing the final performed game, Henge, and, uh, and quite the second set to juxtapose with it. Um, uh, let's jump right in, Sam. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Um, I'm really, really excited to discuss this show at length. This is a show near and dear to my heart, a special show, I think, in fish lore. And, um, for all the New England fish kids, this was like a rite of passage two night run, um, I yeah. felt like, or this week in general. Um, a lot of people that are our age in this area saw a show this week yeah. and we're about to discuss three of them um, right in a row here. So I'm pretty pumped. Totally. Um, and God, is it the tweeter center now, but great woods (laughs) will always be great woods for anyone that was here. For sure. Um, Mansfield's a little bit South and out of the city. Um, it's real green and grassy. And this is like a very classic outdoor shed, right? Covered lawn or covered pavilion seating, big lawn around the back, um, seats. A lot of people doesn't usually sell out. And, uh, You know, trees, it's real pretty. Yeah, very much Uh, a a, a
0: home venue for Fish, I think, from their perspective, right? Um, Like, maybe not their home home, but this was like, you know, they kind of considered Boston to be a center for them. And this was the big arena in Boston. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of great shows that were played at this venue. Um, Yeah. And, uh, but this is definitely a highlight. So this was a part of the dinner and a movie, um, collection, uh, last year. Yes, I was. believe it was, I can't remember exactly which dinner and a movie it was, but I will say first time we got to watch it. I mean,
1: I yeah. was in, 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 uh, in all honesty for the replay here, I watched it.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think a lot of my comments through it will be visual too. And I noticed things that blew my mind. I'm excited to talk about, but, um, it also put me back there in a lot of ways. And right. I didn't do the math, but this may be the venue I've seen the most this show's in. Oh,
0: interesting. I've seen
1: six shows here.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so that may be the venue I saw the most in. And uh, Well, tied with, tie with the gorge. Yes, tied with the gorge. Yeah, I haven't done the research. Yeah. But I feel I, I'm just so at home. And uh, my first show I ever saw was the night after this one. So
0: Right. Hell of a and, show as
1: well. Yeah. And a longer story to get into. Yeah. Um, probably we should do right off the bat um, in discussing this. But uh, everyone had this tape right after it happened, Mm -hmm. set two. Right. Um, And it was leaked as a soundboard. And I think I physically wore the tape out. I think it was one of those Max L's that, like, it got so degraded, probably sitting in the sun in my car and listening to it so many times that I had to get another copy from someone. (laughs) Right. Um, It was one of those. And I remember very early on, um, with all fish friends that don't know this show, (laughs) I would instantly go to the Yem Frankenstein Yem. yeah, and everyone knows the stash because it's on a live one. And um, it's really just a, you know, it, it, the encompassment of the show, the band's playing great. the band has great energy. Um, but Trey really, this is a Trey superstar night, right. Um, and it was it was impressive. And I remember bits and pieces. I mean, I was uh, just freshly 17 um the next night and it being my first show and you know i i was i just moved back to new england the year before and i remember having heard fish a little bit and then seeing when we were shopping for houses in new england with my family that summer seeing fish cds on everyone's you know you go into the kids room to look around and you're like there's that fish band again right. and the minute i went to high school my junior year um instantly everyone was like oh fish this fish that and I started trading tapes and listening to more and more. So I was, I was fresh faced and new when I went to, to the seven nine ninety four, and um, it changed me forever.
0: That's so that's such a crazy difference because on the West Coast, you know, like in LA, I mean, probably the amount of uh, high schoolers that had a Fish CD in nineteen ninety four on their shelf was probably seven to nine people. Total. I mean, like (laughs) it was just nobody. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I mean, I didn't run with the hippie crowd in high school or whatever, but I mean, I was well versed in music. I read every episode or every uh, issue of Rolling Stone since I was like in sixth grade, you know, like I, I knew all about music and I didn't even hear about the Grateful Dead until college. Like, I mean, I think <laughs> like I had seen pictures like in Rolling Stone and like I had seen the name, but I had never heard the music. I didn't know anything about him. And then when I got to college, people were like, you don't know the Grateful Dead. And then that just kind of led to fish. So yeah, East Coast okay. and West Coast, very different. I'm sure San Francisco is its own thing, but I, I can yeah, only maybe. speak for Southern California.
1: Yeah. I mean, New England, they were playing this venue. Yeah. I mean, just a couple years before they were there. Yeah. Um, as part of the horde tour, right. You know, an opening for Santana, like they, they didn't, and they, they crushed these two nights. Right. And I, I always feel bad about missing this night. We're going to discuss, um, it's like one of those thorns in my, you know, in my, my craw. Right. But, uh, I wouldn't have known what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like in retrospect having the, you know, the next night be so visceral for me and really life-changing, um, I can sort of, use that lens to look at this night. And it was it was really nostalgic, really special for me.
0: And I've read a lot of reviews about this show, and there are certainly, you know, a large number of people that say 7.9 is better than 7.8. Um, yeah. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Uh, but certainly the the uniqueness of getting to hear game Henge in a first set and then having a second set like this is is pretty special. So let's just jump right into the game Henge real quick and say we've yeah. listened and discussed a lot of game henges. All of them <laughs> so far. Yeah well uh, well not all yeah. but
1: three, three. Three. The three, the three main think, ones. You know, yeah. The the man who stepped into yesterday thesis tape is what it is. Right. Um and then there's there's two really early ones. Um, five total, I believe. Um, but this is three and this is back to back.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, so we can move through it a little quicker, but in my estimation, I kind of am not sure which one I like more. I really, really enjoyed parts of this.
0: Yeah. I guess I'd say if I had to choose between the three, I would choose this one. Um, if only for just how hot it is, just, just, just how on it Trey is. I mean, they're just... Every song has just like a guitar solo that's just to die for. Yes. And I, and as much as I like some of the nuances of the narration and the other one, I feel like as a whole, the energy was just, this is just one of the, it's one of those energy shows and they found a My really. God. They, all the way. Yeah. yeah. And they found a nice balance between not letting the energy overtake the music, but feeding off of it and, uh, and really delivering to the crowd. Um, yeah. But um yeah, I really enjoyed and, the kind of creepy uh NO2 intro. Um I thought that was very oh, cool. Oh, don't skip
1: the llama. Oh sorry.
0: Yeah, the llama was just smoking hot.
1: Um yeah, and it's and, like atonal and strange yeah. and really aggressive. And then the uh the transition I thought into the N2O was right. very cool. Yeah. And creepy, like yeah. you said. It was, it was spooky and creepy. And um, I mean, I saw, it was at the Great Woods 99 shows, which were really, really fun for me as well. And they did an N2O there. And it's mm-hmm. like, what fucking band gets away with this? Right. Like, they're like, it's a, someone sitting in a dentist chair and they're narrating this weird, like, if you just walk in off the street and you're like, oh, look, this band's supposedly cool. Let's go check it out. And you have a couple beers and you go in. What the fuck is this? Right. And, and it's so cool. And again, please, everybody, go watch the video. It's easy to find. Um, but the shots of the crowd kind of tell what people were in the mid 90s like. And I was yeah. I was there.
0: Yeah,
2: I
1: had the ponytail and like the baggy jeans and the baggy shirt. And, you know, it just everyone looks like I looked then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. It, it felt so I felt so at home. But um, yeah, the N2O was very funny
0: and oddball yeah, the difference between this and 99 would be like by 99 people knew or enough people knew no2 that you know at least just someone would be like what the fuck is this and then someone next to you would tell you what it was uh this yeah. is like a joke song they pretend like in a dentist chair or whatever um but in 94 i feel like probably most people i mean i don't know how widely circulated the white tape yeah. was at that point um, and this is a different enough sort of version that you would just be like, well, what the hell is this? But I suppose fish did so many random things back then. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't even They'd question it. it. <laughs> yeah. You could just be like, oh, they're doing another wacky thing, but super. And they
1: transition yeah. from that into game Henge. I right. thought that was so cool too. Yeah, absolutely. That you're sitting in the dentist chair, you're laying back. Someone's pumping you with nitrous. Your, your ears are kind of, you know, fluctuating. You're not sure. And then, you know, oh, there's a tape, uh, if you want to put it on the headphones, go for it, kind of quote.
2: There we go. Just a bob in your eyes. There's a tape of the
3: bob in the headphones. Welcome. Welcome to the boon, everybody. There's a 52-year-old man sitting in a dentist chair up here. And as he feels the drill going into his tooth and you can feel the pain throbbing in his head. And he starts to think to himself, i got to get out of here. So he kind of feels himself drifting off into a dreamland of a sort. And he's kind of going off into a little bit of a dream. And he closes his eyes and starts feeling himself shut out the outside world a little bit. feels himself drifting
2: off.
3: And as he starts to drift off, he sees himself traveling down this corridor that opens up in front of his eyes. And the name of this guy is Colonel Forbin. Colonel Forbin is looking down this long corridor as he sits in a dentist chair and he's feeling the throbbing and as he kind of drifts off into fantasy land, he sees this corridor opening up in front of his eyes and he starts to pass through. And as he goes through it, he walks along, kind of inside of his mind, and we can all kind of go th- with him through this corridor, until he runs into this knight that's leaning up against the wall. The knight turns to him and introduces himself. He says, uh, his name is Rutherford the Brave. And the two of them start talking. And as they talk, Rutherford the Brave looks at Colonel Corbin, and he tells him about this land that he's gone to. And, uh, the name of the place is called gengen And as they t-
1: and the next thing you know, it's Gamehenge, right? Which was was a really cool way to do it. I thought.
0: And agreed. And uh, um,
1: entering into the story, I feel like can always be a stumbling block because you sure. know the band decided it ahead of time, right? But how how you get an audience into the thread of the story, I think matters. Agreed. So this one I thought was better than the last show. I really liked this.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a perfect way um, to get into Gamehenge.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and then it's lizards right and the story that um my brief trip out west where we got to see each other and was so wonderful yeah um was the one story i told you that that really blew my mind with this show that i'd never noticed till watching it this time because i really was focused i sat down and in all honesty when it was on baker's dozen i or um dinner and a movie i only listened to or watch the second set. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I skipped the whole game henge. So at Lizards, Mike Gordon walks back and is handed his modulus bass. Right. Um, or at least a version of the modulus that he currently plays now. Because up, uh, this is going to get a little bass nerdy. Sorry, everybody. So Mike Gordon plays Languedoc basses his, pretty much his whole career since Paul Languedoc joined and started making guitars and basses. And Trey has never stopped playing Languedoc guitars. But Mike Gordon at uh, at spring 97 switched into playing modulus pretty much specifically all the time. Right. Occasionally he plays a languidoc and during recordings of albums, he plays lots of things, but for the most part he plays his five string modulus graphite. Um, and that is exactly what this guy hands him right before lizards. And he plays that bass all the way through this set and it blew me away. Yeah. And it was weird to watch him smiling with how good it sounded all the other members of the band kind of at points staring at him, especially Fishman, who was like, Yes, I really like this. Yeah. And I think it was a good moment. I'm surprised that I, I mean, from I haven't watched videos of all the shows, but I haven't seen that bass come out until 97 when it became a staple.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I thought I, that was really cool. I wonder what the reason for that is or if it maybe it did make occasional appearances and we just don't realize it. Or I guess a, Q, a QA question for Mike someday.
1: Is it because his his not over the top love of Gamehenge that it, we we've heard of, right. as it being more of a tray thing than a band thing? Is it a little bit of a well? I'm going to use this opportunity to try out this new bass in a big room and yeah. see what it sounds like because you know I, this is more about me as a bass player rather than me as a member of Fish. Like I'm reading way into it, but yeah. that could be it in right. his mindset. So I get that feeling. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike And Mike Trey seems
0: secretly vindictive, sure.
1: Yes. And I appreciate that. <laughs> and Trey really like the whole band is great at this show, but yeah. he you know, he, he's running the table. It's it's something. Um, but yeah, I thought the bass sounds great. And I thought Paige in his solos and lizards um was really stepping up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great page. He player. was
1: so adorable at this time with the his hair was kind of puffy and yeah, he was the cute one. Yeah, he was the preppy one. It just yeah. had a, he had a real good look going
0: right yeah <laughs> he he was the guy for normal girls yes yeah. yes <laughs> uh, so soft so Urgentine. yeah so lizards and then we do a little narration and then we go into tila um very well played uh version of tila yeah
1: um, Yeah. also enjoyed it
0: don't have a whole lot to say about it um do you yeah
1: I just thought it was good. I liked the Tila from The Last Game Henge, a little more, but I thought right. this one was really great.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, watch the camera work. It's pretty funny.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, <laughs> but then this Wilson, uh, so there's a couple things that came out, but one of the themes of the night I felt like the audience was, it was just a rockin' audience, yeah. and this was the first of what's at least four clap-alongs. Right. And I thought Wilson, you know, was the first
0: audience clap along and it kind of stuck out for me. Is there was that... so much clapping in this show. And actually, so much. I do want to discuss it uh, and but we'll let's <laughs> let's get into it in the second set because I unless you have more to I mean, do you have more to say about the clapping because I feel like the clapping really it becomes more of an issue in the second set. I think that there is a great moment of clapping and a terrible moment of clapping like I know both of them yeah. <laughs> I agree firmly with you ahead of time.
1: But this one I thought was non-consequential and it was it was just fine. Yeah, yeah. Um and the only other thing about Wilson was before the black bloom part, Trey ties the drill back in
0: uh-huh.
1: from the N2O that I thought was really fucking cool. Right. Like, there was just so they were so clear-headed, all of them in this show. It was smart, snappy, like the the improvising was so well thought out. It just, it's a great show. And um, that was a really smart moment in Wilson, I thought.
0: You know, it oddly reminds me of a show kind of like a Clifford Ball, like like almost like a festival show, like a pre-festival show where they, sure. where they kind of knew that they had this like, captive audience that's very familiar with their work it's not like they're playing in oregon or indiana or canada they're playing in their hometown yeah. where everybody knows them they had, and they're playing this really special thing they had just played game Henge. um and so you know i think most of the audience when they started it up were like oh shit we're getting it too and that kind yeah. of pushed the energy and i think that they delivered in a way that they often do only at festivals um sure. or maybe not only at festivals, but they do have a good record of really delivering at festivals. And I feel like they really yeah, And this
1: show doesn't stop delivering. No top to bottom. It keeps it building.
0: Is. It just keeps getting yeah. better as far as I'm concerned. Unreal. Yeah. Um Unreal. So uh yeah, so to the the Wilson, um we go to the ACDC DAG. And yeah. uh yeah and i thought it was a great acdc bag had a super awesome build um towards the end so
1: tight at the top yeah ripping solo section really great tight you know compact version but really really great
2: yeah (laughs)
0: Uh, forbin's mockingbird yeah what you got uh
1: i like when it's not too fast i think sometimes like 93 4 they could play it too fast um I'm, I'm learning the more we really dig into these you know listening to whole fish shows and relaxing through them there's moments where uh tempo really matters to me right and i thought that this tempo was really on point and then the forbins was fine yeah but the Mockingbird. It really stands out as such a difficult song to play to me every time I hear it. And um, I thought that there was a little mini solo in the middle, uh-huh. um, a little tray mini solo kind of in between uh, at the middle of the song. I'll put it in here so everyone has a reference point. <laughs> thought that mini solo was really really great there were those moments where the the little composed sections had that extra bit of something to them right um and if it was trey kind of who normally plays a little like a clean little line it was augmented with a few extra notes extra flourish and the same from page a lot and you know fish and mike it was you know it it was really really great and that was a standout moment for me but just average Forbins mockingbird
0: Yeah,
2: but fit fit in
1: the story really well.
0: But the Mockingbird had a a little extra mustard.
1: Yeah, I liked it. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Sloth. (laughs) I think All I wrote after this was good question mark. Yeah, I guess. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'm so into the music that I just don't write little notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it just passes by. And I was like, did that just happen? I don't know. I was I was lost. So maybe it didn't grab me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty standard Sloth, but I would, like Sloth is one of those songs where if it's got the right energy, I don't care if it's a little sloppy or if it's like super it doesn't really matter to me that much because it is kind of like an energy song. And I just always get a good kick out of the I just love the lyrics to Sloth. And yeah. uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but like Rip Van Winklin was always like one of those lines that I just didn't <laughs> notice for the longest time and then the first time I noticed it I just started laughing so hard and I was like oh god these guys these guys I love their sense of humor uh,
2: what a yeah, stupid, it's stupid stupid line that's the, the
0: greatest
1: the stupid line of like the tying back the fee lyric to the take that piece of paper slice your nipple Oh yeah, like it's such a I see why people are, think this band is stupid or that's why this band never gets on the radio. I understand, but the way that it's referencing other material and how it all ties together, it, when you're in the world, if you allow yourself to enter into the fish world, yeah. Um, that stuff is so great. Yeah. And, and I, this might get tangential, but we, I think we're both fans of therapy, um, in its own special way. And, um, doesn't sponsor this show but um if they did we'd we'd you know take their money and talk about it but uh for me you know life life's hard um often and especially as you get older and responsibilities build but um having the opportunity to do this podcast and see you as often as we do and spend this much detailed time listening to music again and seeing it as something oh I gotta get this done rather than just pleasure but then getting so much out of it um this is like therapy for me yeah so even if I say like yeah I just kind of blew through the sloth that was four and a half minutes of my life that were better than a lot of the other four and a half minutes yeah. so um thank you I guess is that's a long way around thank you and if there's any you know people out there who want to sponsor the show that uh you know we're in are uh, providing therapy we're fans big fan big fan of therapy much needed in these times uh, Or start a podcast a music podcast with your friend and just talk about and listen to a ton of music That's Yeah that. no
0: you're right it's, I mean I helps. I love listening to fish but if I know I'm going to get to talk about it with someone else and it's the same about a movie you're really experiencing any art yeah, you yeah. know the discussing of it just it uh knowing that you're going to it causes you to pay attention in a different way uh, Yeah. and uh and you're right it's it really can be a much more euphoric experience um when you're really in it like that and you force your brain to kind of stay focused because i think we both do good with attention spans i i feel like compared to most people I have a great attention span but it could always be better um and kind of like knowing that this is you know quote unquote homework i suppose you know it does it makes you focus a little bit more Um, yeah it's good for us so yeah so so sloth you know didn't didn't necessarily make it deep into our hearts but uh we, we weren't <laughs> mad at it either um and next no. comes uh Magrupp. we get to the kind of the final the final wind down of the set um not like a crazy long or super improvisational McGrupp, but very well done
1: yeah i like yeah. this a lot yeah i thought i always forget how that post lyric section it just hits so hard yeah It's, so, it's such a cool piece of composition. And Paige's solo was pretty spooky. Yeah. <laughs> like it got it got dark and sp- it it covered a lot of ground in a short time. Right. And I feel like this show does that a lot where it doesn't waste its time. Um, it gets right two things. Right. And I thought through Paige's solo and the way Tra- Trey kind of climbs out of it with a big energy finish was it just was great. Right. I enjoyed it for a tight version and compact version. It really it hit a lot of good spots.
2: Yeah.
0: And then Trey, I, I agree. And then Trey kind of wraps it up. And then we do divide Divided Sky to finish, which I think we agreed last time is the perfect way to end a Gamehenge set.
1: Yeah. And I just wrote Rockstar Trey. Yeah, I think I wrote that after a handful of songs. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> I think that was he really completing this and doing it so well. And the band had, a you know, it was a great performed run of Gamehenge. And it felt at the at Divided Sky where he was just relaxing. Right. And letting all that pent up nervousness and energy of performing this in front of this giant crowd out and just whew, getting it all done. Right. And uh, you could sense that through the rest of the show. It was just so excited to be <laughs> just playing guitar
0: now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So, now it's time to rock. Yeah. So that's the set perfect, one. Perfect closer. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great game, Henge. If you're looking to hear a game, Henge, I think this is certainly... A perfect one to listen to especially yeah or you... go watch yeah, it's really fun to watch. watch you have sound boards now it sounds incredible um yeah go to so. live
1: fish and and download it and listen to it it's it's it sounds great
0: so getting to the second set um we have the opening pair of songs we got rift sample um so let's yep. let's dig into the Rift sample and then we'll kind of tackle everything else um yep. I listened to this riff knowing what a big fan of Rift you were. And I'm thinking, what is Sam going to think of this riff? Is it <laughs> going to compare to other riffs? And I didn't remember it being quite as incredible as I felt it to be on this listen. Uh, hmm. When I listened to it, I, I was really blown away. Um, I, I don't think it's quite 32092, but I but I do think um, it's a pretty nailed it rift.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really great. I I also wrote, Trey's like chomping at the bit at the show. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot in it, more so, way more in this set than the the first set. Um, And just that energy. And, you know, watching it, too, the just flying mop top. And, like, there's points when he hits notes and peaks in solos where he almost drops to his knees. (laughs) And he is so... Physically involved yeah. in the show, and honestly, the whole uh, Mike is a bit more of like as we've said the the calm, still Sawaro, but um, the rest of them are. I mean, there's a point later that Fishman's drums almost fall over; he's hitting them so hard, yeah. and Paige like whipping his head around. It's it it's a very the band is feeling it, yeah. and I thought that the energy just both of these songs, but especially you know the Rift, it's just oozing, right? Um, it's people are pumped and. <laughs> you know, excited for what's coming. Yeah. And they I, should be. I wrote, check out these chops,
0: exclamation point. Yes. That was
1: <laughs> that's what I wrote. Many, many chops of many kinds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I remember when we watched, uh when my wife and I watched this uh, dinner in a movie, we were kind of like halfway through the second set and she had never seen, you know, like earlier, you know, we've watched tons of webcasts, but but to watch video of the early you know, band. I mean, she'd seen clips, but I think this was like the first show she watched all the way through. And I remember her just kind of saying like, I can see why you guys were obsessed with the, with this period. They are taking this music very seriously. And I was like, they really are. They really are taking it very seriously. And the, Uh, the Minkins were so beautiful,
1: the backdrops and the lighting, like it was so enjoyable to watch again. And, you know, simpler times for, for us as young men as well. Um, so that's easy to ride the nostalgia train there. Sure. But I think for the band, too, I mean, they were young guys and really trying to conquer music in their own yeah. way and um, really, really showing an energy that you you see differently now.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we know that Trey used to take the set lists, you know, very seriously in terms of he wants to present the band in a certain way. He wants the show to have a certain flow. And this show is definitely and, you know, we've had shows like this before, but sort of like, um, let's show everything Fish could do. You know, we have the first set where they're kind of like showing all these hi- highly composed songs, but telling a story and creating a mood, bringing you into the Fish world. And then they kind of come out with this set, too. And they're like. Boom with Rift. Check out these crazy chops. Other bands can't do this. And then we go into the sample, which is like the ultimate crowd pleaser at this point, you know, for like any newbie that was in the crowd, anybody that like didn't know Fish or felt a little alienated during this song, they must have felt very welcome and been like, yes, this is great. I mean, I feel like sample really had that sort of um, rock and roll. Good times feeling that that everyone, no matter what your taste can can appreciate.
1: Yeah, there were let's say there were four songs from this set that I wore out the most. Yeah. And my senior year in high school, this sample in a jar was I had to have heard it. listened to it 200 times. Wow. Like this is my sample in a jar. Right. And uh, it is like and watching it for me was so meaningful again, because by the end, like he has Trey has all his distortion on, and he's literally screaming with his guitar. Like, it just sounds like someone's shrieking. Yeah. as metal as fish really gets like with that energy and he he feels like he's leaping out of his skin like physically to watch him too he's he's showing with his body just the kind of energy he's trying to project and yeah I, it translates really well yeah. it's it's something it's really great
0: so not a big I mean, huge this... jam in the two the two spot but um, we're about to hit it in the three spot yeah so yeah. Um,
1: and the I, only headphones in the book for the whole show was this Reba.
0: Right. OK. Um, in the that's true. And in in, it was just the Reba, which is wrong. Uh, but uh, in that and Fishnet, <laughs> they give it to all four of these songs. And yeah. I think that there is a strong argument to be made that this next stretch of these four songs is maybe as good as any four songs they've ever played in a row. Um, You may disagree, but I, I have a hard time finding a fault and there's one little section of Reba we can pick on, AKA the clapping, but, uh, but aside from that, okay. So, so, uh, Sam and I decided to do Reba as our, uh, special song of the, uh, of the episode where we went back and we examined some of our favorite Rebas because this is a classic Reba, um, top threes. Top threes. Uh, But let's talk about this Reba real quick first before we get into the top threes. Um, This one is not in either of our top threes, I think. It is not in either of our top threes. Although I will say that if someone came to me and told me that this was their favorite Reba of all time, I don't think I would have a hard time with it. I think, like, I totally understand. Like, I I think it's very deserving. Um, I think that there's so much magic to it. And certainly the segue into Yerushalayim is just absolutely spiritual. I yeah.
1: mean, it's just, incredible. just such a, and really a great Reba. I'm not, yeah. I think it dances and balances between a lot of hard little staccato moments and then really fluid, calm moments. Right. And like, like I said earlier, the, the improvising never gets stale. Right. Um, it's like when we talked about the bomb factory too, where, you know, it's like a 26 minute tweezer and you're like, it i didn't even notice because right. they're always moving and changing and they shift right when you're like oh this is kind of a repetitive theme that's not doing it boom it like right it's very machine like and well organized improv right and um, they're really finding their footing and i th- i think it's great and i thought yes the audience clap along isn't the best but the mantecatis yeah. rules yeah yeah um and you know it i don't think the audience throws them off
0: No, no, not at all. I I know, I didn't see a lot of, I mean, I didn't see any shows back in this era. But I have read that people that did were kind of like hated the clapping, kind of like the 3.0ers kind of hate the woos. Um, And they kind of like woos get compared to clapping. And I think that this set has, what I wanted to say, has a good example of in Reba, when the clapping starts, it's just unnecessary. Um, and it's like a way for the audience to join in with the jam so that they kind of feel like, oh, we're like clapping along with the jam. But it's not yeah. adding anything to the jam. In fact, it might be taking away from it slightly. Yes. So whereas I can appreciate the feeling, um, I kind of I tend to think of uh, Woodstock when Sly, Sly and the Family Stone's trying to get everybody to sing along and then nobody's singing along. And he's like, I could tell that some of you don't want to sing along because you think it's old fashioned, but it's old fashioned because it's a great feeling and it works. It worked then and it worked now. Everybody, you need to sing along. (laughs) And and I do think that there is something to audience participation that is really wonderful. Um, And I think the same can be said for the woos where sometimes it really works and other times it really doesn't. And in in this, Reba, I don't think it works. And I was looking forward to them stopping conversely yes it happens again in the yem, and i think it adds so much to the yem. Um, yeah, that's one of the moments of yeah, the show i think it pushes the yem yeah. to another level so i think it's interesting to have both of these uh moments in this set i think it's really cool yeah um yeah but yeah amazing reba and i do think that um it has like some kind of uh, like rockin' sections to the i don't know if rockin's the right thing but intense moments in the jam and the way it kind of melts into the jewish hymn um, and just having a band do the Jewish hymn and yeah. to just kind of imagine, uh, you know, that Mike's grandma is in the, in the audience or whatever, whatever He's the reason from Sudbury. It's yeah. close by. <laughs> yeah, I think I read that that was the reason why they learned it. They wanted yeah, yeah. to do something for the grandparents and that just makes it even so much more charming. Uh, yeah. so, so great Reba. Um, yeah. but, uh, let's get into some other Rebas.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, we we both listened to a lot of rebas in the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, surprisingly, not that many diverge that far from one another. Right. I thought there would be more out there as I really did the research and listened to to a lot of them that there would be more variation. Right. Than there actually was, um, which surprised me but uh, i don't know what what was your take as a broad whole before we drill down
0: well i i agree with you i mean i they reba kind of goes in um you know eras you know so you listen to a bunch of 93 rebas they're going to be kind of similar 94 rebas and they start to get to like 97 98 they start to get different um, and mm. then um and then there is the one from it in 2003, which I do think is a pretty great reba, It wasn't great enough to make my list, but I do think it's absolutely worth a listen. Um, if you're going to go listen to Reba's, um, and then I did check out a couple from 3.0, but again, I Trey's tone. I just, there's something Mm. about, there's something Mm. that, that I require out of a Reba and I, apparently it's Trey's 1.0 tone. So I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, ours are all going to stay in that vein, yeah. as, as per usual, I guess. But you told me, you texted me that you had three different ones, and they fit into the category Majestic, Classic, and Different. Um, so, yes. so I chose three Reba's that also <laughs> fit those categories. So let's start with Classic. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to, do you want me to guess yours first or, do you, or you? Yeah, I like the guessing. So, so before we started here, Ian said
1: he was going to write down and guess my three. Okay. And, um, so I, I think. I see the piece of paper.
0: I think Sam's classic is twelve thirty one ninety five. Uh, It's on my list, but that's my majestic. <laughs> oh, that's your majestic. Not my classic. Oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: okay. My classic is, and this was the hardest one to pick. Um, there was a couple that stayed really close. Uh-huh. There was a couple that, you know, from the same era that were, you know, really great. Okay, but um, I think because of where it sits in my heart and how good the recordings are, it is Speckles twelve eight
0: ninety four. Oh, okay. I thought that was going to be your majestic.
1: Nope, but that's, that's also that's on my list. All right, I'm I'm two
0: for three so, so far. <laughs>
1: You're flip flopped. Um. So the, the Spreckles show, uh, you know, Ian and I having met and lived in San Diego a long time together, um, Spreckles is this gorgeous little theater downtown, and we saw a number of shows, and I'm sure you still see shows there. Um, yeah. Really great place. Can't say enough about it. And uh, to have seen Fish there, they played two nights in a row. Our friend Danny was at one of them or both of them, um, and the a guy who we used to get tapes from, his friend ran like a 30 foot patch, snuck up and patched into the soundboard and ran this long cable to his deck and recorded this show. Yeah. And then circulated soundboards of it. Um, I'm going to stay out of how I feel one way or the other about it. Um, (laughs) Suffice to say we were fucking stoked to have beautiful sounding soundboards of a show that has so many highlights. Yes. I mean, the simple catapult simple from that show is uh, been released on live bait and yeah. honestly just released the whole show. Cause it's yeah. the possums insane. Yeah. Um, but this Reba is so different. It goes down to nothing. Right. And Trey is scatting notes along ba- and ba- it just, ba- ba- the build. Ba- ba- yeah. I, and the sound quality, but the, the little build the and how it slowly gets there and the way the band comes out of the quiet part. It's just a very classic. A that starts with a little great guitar soloing in a groove, dips down to some really unique improv, and then builds out to a giant, you know, crescendo.
2: guitar solo
1: Buzz and I thought that one was great yeah That's my classic
0: and, and something that you could only pull off in it in like a classical venue like that like Spreckles is like yeah. a venue that is not really for rock shows it's it's like oh, it is for, ornate yeah it's ornate it's quiet they don't have a lot of rock shows there and just the the calm the quiet the peacefulness that they're able to achieve mm-hmm. in part of this jam is it's stunning it kind of like almost like stops you you're like wow there's like this icy sort of like in the middle of the jam and they yeah it's incredible. Yeah, I, I I would have put this on my list uh possibly, but I knew you were going to, so I I'm like yeah, we'll we'll let have we'll let This stand.
1: was the one that had Let's some competition. There was a couple um 101894 was really close. Yeah. Um 81693 also like classic but really unique and different. Um they're both kind of close. Mm-hmm. And uh I want to know your classic before I possibly insult it. So go.
0: My classic is Halloween '94.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't want to insult it ahead of time.
0: <laughs> but well, but please do now. I'm curious what you but have. To every think
1: about it, I yeah. I want to know. I I just always don't think it's worth the hype, and I did not yeah. again this time because right. I would say the general consensus is fish fans of 1.0 fish, especially, consider this Reba to be one of, if not the peak Reba of all time.
0: Well, now I will, and I've and i
1: never been able to know why
0: I will say on like on fishnet, you know, they have like the jam charts and they have like selected Reba's and then they have ones that are highlighted in yellow, which are the really special ones. And this one is not a yellow one. So I oh, think okay. I think in retrospect, it's fallen off that list a little bit. But the reason why I chose it for classic is because in my brain, like this is like I heard it early. And um, and it has a couple of sections, and I'm sure you know the sections. If you listen to it, mm-hmm. you know the sections I'm talking about. But oh, there it's are, great. But there are a couple of sections where I'm just it kind of stops my heart, and I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but I really, I did struggle with this one. There was a lot of competition for my classic, and it was hard to choose. Um, and I did listen to New Year's 95 and this one back-to-back twice. Um, and the only reason why I didn't choose 95 over this one is because, and I know I'm kind of like weirdo this way, but I love a perfect composed section to Ariba. Hmm. And there's a there's a little flubbing in New Year's 95. I'm not saying they don't more than make up for it in the jam, because the jam is one of the greatest jams ever in New Year's 95. But I think if anything, I was just the the perfection of this Halloween one is the reason why I chose it. It just has this perfect quality to it. Thank you.
1: A small side note story of myself the only show i ever saw from the rail in the front
2: yeah
1: was um the san diego sports arena sure. in fall of 96 and because that was our hometown and we were doing that west coast run and i was right on the rail and that reba is not on this list yeah. but i re-listened to it for fun
0: right
1: um you can also get soundboards of that second set it is awesome the mic yeah. song it just is a great great yeah. set of music it is um, and the first, set, first set's not a slouch either. They they did good in our town. Yeah. But there's the composed section of Reba from that Reba is note perfection. Yeah. And there's one part that is always messed up. Not always. <laughs> uh-huh. There's often missed because it's very difficult. And when they hit it, like with a little, not, a, not only hit it perfectly, but there's a little mustard on it. Yeah. I screamed at the show
0: <laughs> and I still
1: think I can hear myself on the recording.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: So, I'm, oh, I'm going to go back um, and listen
0: to it later. Um, but yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to shit on the 1031. I, I don't know if you listened to the 1018 from a little bit before. I did. Um, I think that's better.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that it hits better sections. It's longer and has some really cool, um, interesting themes that it goes to. I think 1031 for me, what happens is that there's there's some drag time. That's yeah. the only thing that gets to me. Right. I think the flow gets lost a couple times and there's a couple, I like it, it builds up nicely, but then it kind of pauses before it moves forward again. Sure. Um, I mean, I watch, I surf and I watch a ton of surfing contests and the judging criteria is based a lot on speed, power flow. Right. And so sometimes you can attribute that to, you know, the riding of a wave, which I know fishes, they're big water themed people, uh, as a band. And I've, also in that way and i understand how energy flows that way so it's when it's how you harness the energy with speed power and flow right and i feel like when the flow is interrupted and there's kind of the downtime the the totality of the ride itself or in this case the song itself um becomes slightly degraded only because of those sections of waiting right for the next moment um, and it's one of the hardest things to do both as a band or a surfer. Right. Um, and I in this, that that really gets to me. So maybe that's why. But I still think it's an epic Reba everyone yeah, should yeah. listen to and know. No oh, well. for sure.
0: Yeah. I, and I think another thing like compared to the 1018 is sound. You know, like for a song that's like as yeah. delicate as Reba, it's kind of nice to have a soundboard. I mean, you can like hear all the nuances. And then you listen to I like, just want them all. Yeah, no, I know, but I, I remember listening to 1018 <laughs> and just being like, all right, I'm waiting through some hiss here, and you know, like oh, it doesn't sound. It sounds horrible. Yeah, so I think that always kind of plays a, a role um, into Kevin. It. Again, I I kind of give them o- out, buddy. I almost uh... give them out, Kev. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. I almost chose okay. 4494 ninety four again. I don't know what it is. Hmm. With that show, uh, but it was a little bit too tease heavy to, I guess, give it. The, yeah, it was a little more gimmicky, although it's really fun um, and it's really well played. Um, and then there are some of those like lightning fast Reba's that are also really impressive in their own right. Um, but I yeah, I like the
1: 92, 93 Mike Gordon tone. too. Yeah, like yeah. he's got that filter on every time and it's kind of I don't know. It was it, this is my Reba zone. Yeah. Uh Majestic.
0: Okay. What do you so got? Majestic New Year's 95. Go for it.
1: Uh well what's yours? You know mine.
0: Oh okay. Um so for Majestic uh I'm going to go Gorge 98. Um and uh <laughs> this th- somebody posed the question, what are your three fish desert island jams? And the first sure. the And this is crazy, but that was the first one that I thought of. And I know it's because of the sunset, right? We watched it. They, They basically played this Reba and they jammed the sunset down into Twilight. And to just be there and to just watch that on that hill and this like silky like tone that they've got going on and it almost kind of sounds like i think at the time like ryan was like it sounds like the night court theme or something like just the kind of cheesy well, late
1: 70s and, soul yeah it's like very white and, and like aging very white you know or like it was this is my different one oh this so is your different you one. have oh, my okay. whole list all right so but okay. we were there together yeah and i remember being in that moment and it was life-changing yeah <laughs> talked about this show a lot on this podcast and it's not mentioned that much right and this reba specifically nobody talks about and it is like there's there's two moments in it that blow my mind one is just through the through the beginning part where there's no solos and it really has this groove that is so amazing and pages on the roads the whole time right and there's that one perfect build and then he hits this like this little trill of notes that sound like a bucket of water is poured over you <laughs> yes. and you're like you can't help but go what the fuck is this and yeah. to know you're at one of the most beautiful music venues in the world while the sun is setting and yeah. then the second one you know the Trey solo is good it leaves a little at times to be desired compared to those 94 five sure but there's a moment way towards the end when I remember the sun was actually setting and yeah. the sky was like orange pink and they just get into this perfect little groove that is very rhythmically unique and Trey's just hitting these wah, wah. chords. It's the wah section absolutely. Oh, that, oh yeah, like, oh, it's, it's, It is heaven.
0: It's peak like, psych- it gets no better. Peak psychedelia right there. Peak. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So like, I, everyone needs to seek this show out. And yeah. the audience recordings sound amazing. Yeah. This is one that I don't care if it's released on soundboard because it sounds, whoever did the audience recording was, yeah. like, it just sounds like heaven. But and don't get
0: us wrong, Kevin. We'll take a soundboard. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And when you go to the <laughs> gorge, you know, not to give away the spots, but sit on those weird ledges right behind the soundboard.
0: Yeah. sure. I'm sure, because I'm m- sure it's, it's like, like near impossible these days, but yeah.
1: But it sounds so cool good there yeah yeah. so that was my different so okay, cool bouncing to my majestic then and yeah. then your different uh new year's 95 yeah. which again is just considered by many to be peak reba and for me having been there and been a part of it and loving that song so much i don't know that it contains my favorite Trey solos, which I think a lot of 95 Reba's do. Right. But I think that it does. It it predestines what Fish will do in 97 and 98 with a ballad ballady kind of jam. Right. I think the band interplay is gorgeous. And I think just the size of the song in that venue felt special. Right. And it just, I think it's what the set needed at that point. And by majesty, it just sounded uh, majestic. Right. It sounded um, big and full and full of life and promise and energy without having to be showy. Right. there was a there's a lot of showy rebas at this point 94-5 where there's a lot of there's a lot of lightning solos there's a lot of over the top you know crescendos and I thought this one didn't need it right um, and I love it whenever I hear it again I'm like oh yeah that it's okay and I listen to it and like, no, no, no it's better than
0: okay yeah it's be- it's better than okay and I and when I watched the dinner in the movie of New Year's 95 that like I mean I guess I had watched it on our crappy VHS several times yeah but uh but just seeing like the good copy of it and the good sound and and all that it it definitely upped my opinion of it it was definitely a runner-up um for sure yeah amazing i honestly i mean reba is one of those songs where you know if you're listening to it in the right year, there's not a lot of bad ones and i just kind of no. went through the fishnet jam chart and basically all of the white and yellow ones like they're both of them everything from like 93 to 96 is really worth a listen. <laughs> Truthfully, if yeah. you're if you like but they're all worth a listen. Because
1: um, there's... Yeah, everyone.
0: There's little unique sections of all of them. And like Sam said, they do, sometimes they don't vary tremendously. It wouldn't listen to a bunch all at once. But they all have a little something special to offer.
1: So I mean, the Clifford Ball gets mentioned a lot too. Yes. Um, and part of the reason why that's so great too is the sound quality. I mean, yeah. my God, it's out. And like, it's a beautifully played and executed and, you know, everything about the venue, like that is a great rebound. Right. And I think if I was there, um, I would have probably, it, it might've snuck on the list. Right. So attendance bias always matters. And, it's you know, true. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And my final one will be, um, 100% or at least 90% attendance bias. Um, I was gonna guess that you were gonna say for your final one Alpine ninety seven, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, it was those three. Yes! It was it was no, you were you were wrong. Oh I was it was wrong. the gorge. Okay. Oh okay. So it was Spreckles, okay. New Year's ninety five, and then the gorge. Okay. okay. Ninety eight. Okay, you're right. That's but Alpine Alpine was great. Yeah, yeah. As well.
0: Uh, yeah that's an au- that's an awesome reba and that was another one that I kind of considered but it wasn't quite to gorge level so I couldn't like do it no. there. So I am But it grooves. It's good. Oh, it does groove and it and it sounds yeah. amazing and I just love their the way all their in- the tones of all their instruments in 97 I feel like are so perfect for reba. They didn't play it a lot. Well, they, they only played it a couple times. There
1: was times. another really good one from that tour. I want to say maybe Pennsylvania. Um, the Burgett's, Pennsylvania show with the oh. Amarina opener. That might've been uh, another Reba. Everyone from that summer was, was maybe that was 97. Yeah. I'm getting that was 97. Up. Yeah. But there was another Reba from 98 that might've been released on soundboard that also was really great. Oh, okay. Um, it's just that. that time. Like it, it is so warm and bubbly and
0: yeah,
1: but God, the gorge one is unto itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Helen made my desert island mix, so I'm gonna do something yeah. a little bit. I don't know. I want to say blasphemous here, but I did I'm feel ready. like I chose one from '94 and then I chose one from '98, and I was like, okay, Ian, well, you have to choose one from '95 or '96. So hmm. I did the deep dive, but like you said, I found it very difficult to choose because sometimes there wasn't like a tremendous amount of difference between them. I'm trying to look. There was these like the two in a row. I guess it was '94. Um but the uh San Francisco whatever, I'm getting into the weeds here. Anyway, my <laughs> Yeah, is that the five sixteen? Yeah, the five twenty seven. Oh that one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's and the and the one right after. It's like two two shows in a row. It's the five twenty seven, five twenty eight, San Francisco sure. and then Monterey. And they were both like smoking hot. And I was like, how do yeah, I yeah. even choose between these two? Um, yeah. So I decided to go with the Greek theater 98, um, oh. for my different one, uh, because huh. it is so different. So yeah, I grew I,
1: we were there. Yes. Yeah, we were there. I
0: graduated from high school. Actually, I did a lot of things at the Greek theater cause I grew up around there and I even graduated high school at the Greek theater. And this would have been my first time back since like actually graduating there. And, um, <laughs> My buddy's girlfriend at the time did mail order with me. She mail ordered for me. And guess what? She scored front row center. So this is the only show that I sat front row center at. And I was just right there watching this Reba. And it's, you know, it's a great Reba. It's like kind of expansive. It's, very it's big. Cool. And then it yeah. went into like this huge ambient bass bomb jam.
2: Like... One of the first times where
0: I remember Mike like completely taking over the entire arena with his sound. They had like the smoke machines going like crazy. So (laughs) it was a very visceral experience. Um, and upon re-listen, I didn't think it was gonna be as great as it was upon relisten. It still sounds like shit. It's not a great recording, but you really can get um you get the feel of how big and how powerful and how invested they were into making this a special jam. It wasn't like they kind of just landed it on accident. It was kind of like this is going to be the big jam in the second set and it was. Yeah. And there's not a lot of second sets where Reba is especially in this era, era where Reba is like the heart of the second set. Um and I think that's super cool and and worth a listen. So that's why I chose. Yeah, it.
1: that show was a bit of an outlier. Yeah. I really loved it and you know, we my first I I have some really good memories of Griffith park and the Greek in yeah. different ways. I remember the I want to say third time I ever delved into the world of, of the dreaded L. Sure. Uh, what well, I was, I was 16 and 15, 16 and my friend had borrowed his dad's minivan. Um, and we drove from, Orange County to go see the Pink Floyd, dark side of the moon laser show at the observatory. Uh And I remember driving by where the Greek theater was and thinking, I need to see a show there.
2: Right.
1: And then eventually that summer I did see a show there. I saw um, the Jayhawks open for the black crows.
0: How did I remember remember that? I was
1: just about to say, was it the black crows? Yep. How did I remember that? snuck weed in in my (laughs) shoe and I was so worried that I was going to get arrested at security. Yeah there was some much older lady who whipped out a little mirror and was doing lines of Coke behind us. And yeah. it was, it was so much, I, I felt like a big boy. It was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I, I still applaud my parents for somehow just letting me go see a rock show at an hour away with a, other six. No, it was just 16 year olds. We had, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved back in college and I had just met Ryan, but I didn't go with him. Um, I went and saw fish in 95 at the Greek. Right. Um, that show was fun, but a bit of a letdown, but I did get to sit up on those little side things like yeah. up, way up on the edges. So that was a pretty cool place to see. And
0: you saw crying.
1: Yeah, sure did. <laughs> I sure did. Uh, a good, I remember a good 2001. There was like a couple things, but yeah. this show was, eh. and then um, I didn't see them till this show. Right. And, this was preceding Halloween in Vegas that we were so excited about. It was right. the tour opener. Yep. And so I think it gets overlooked as a little like outlier of a show, right. But man, it was so good. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I watched the first set with you or somehow I was way near the front too. I I think I don't remember. I just us down.
0: I just remember being with joy the whole time and she was talking my ear off. No disrespect, but
1: we weren't center. We were like off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember getting stubbed down for the first set. And then I went and sat in my seats, which were like in the second section back for the second set because I wanted a different perspective, but the whole show was amazing. Right. I really had a great time. And I, I'm glad you chose that, Reba. It, it brings back a lot of those memories.
0: Are we telling Greek theater stories? Because I've got a great one. Uh, Give me one. Yeah. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> that place is so... Go see a show at the Greek theater. Yeah.
0: It's, well, it's if, really you, cool, if yeah. you live in... It's like up in the hills in LA, like near Griffith Park. And it's actually surrounded by houses, really nice, multi-million dollar houses and um, in
1: trees, and it's pretty yeah but yes, it's trees are pretty but
0: concerts have to end early like there's like a strict curfew there because of yes all the rich people that live out there but if you live there you have the the option at the beginning of the concert season to like buy season tickets and and then you kind of choose your seats and so i was friends with this guy in high school and his parents had season tickets for the greek and sometimes they would be really good seats not so much but anyway, again, I had another front row experience there, and it was for the Steve Miller Band. Um, oh, And wow. Paul Rogers was opening for Steve uh, for Steve Miller. And then Slash ended up coming out, and he played with Paul Rogers and with Steve Miller, So, which was really exciting at the time, because this would have been like 92. <laughs> I was so oh, into wow. Guns N' Roses, yeah. you know, So oh, just yeah. to see Slash. But um, but the person sitting next to me, this is 1992, mind you, Melrose Place era, was heather lochlear so i got to... <laughs> i sat next to heather lochlear and watched That's the a show. dream come true it was kind of a dream but i was <laughs> kind of nervous the whole time i was just kind of like oh i'm just like this nerdy kid i'm sitting next to heather lochlear and she's like uh, i don't know if she was dating slash at the time or whatever but she was just like with you know a couple of pimped out girlfriends and they're like screaming
2: Slash, Slash,
0: so very very memorable <laughs> Greek, what a great place great theater Um, Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the Reba's. Yep. Um, That is. Let's, uh, let's, and the
1: Yershalom shall, we'll, we'll say, walk away from the Jewish prayer as well. Yep. As a transition out of Reba to, um,
0: it's ice. It's ice. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like this ice was great. It was like a little bit funky, like 618, but it had like a more kind of like thrustful psychedelic edge, I thought. Um, like it, like we're kind of like started with a little bit of wah, and then it just kind of like took off. Um, but again, composed sections flawlessly played. Um, yeah, great, great.
1: A little disjointed in the jam, but yeah. yeah, it it was it was I. So in watching this again, I always remember that Fishman gets up and dances on his drum stool during one second. Right. And in our list of questions, I just want to know the story behind that.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Because that's a to do something and then be like, all right. Well, fuck, the next 387 times I play this song, I'm going to have to stand on my drum stool no matter how I'm feeling or what's going on and do a silly little dance and have everyone scream at me. Like, where did that come from and why did we keep
0: doing it? Right.
1: <laughs> I think it's really funny. And every time I've seen It's Ice, I find it funny. But
0: I love yeah, those little dance moves. They're fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess there's not a lot to say about the ice and we just discussed ice as, um, in depth just recently
1: yeah i thought this so, one yeah. was it was okay yeah. but out of like you said this four song run um the only we not weak link but the only average link because the others are shit just perfect
0: for sure yeah
1: yeah um and then it moves into the stash yeah which how do you fit this much music in 12 minutes yeah so this that was, was my question this is the stash
0: <laughs> from uh, a live one Um, so fish knew it was great and they selected it for their live album, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it has this kind of like initial like big build and you think, well, that could be it. And then it kind of like restarts and then it goes for a whole nother big build. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know my buddy Rick, who's like a 3.0 guy and not huge on 94. He always says that this stash is Ah. one of his favorite jams of all time. Um, so, uh, He, he, you know, like I'm not, I'm not picking on him, and I think that he has like every reason. I mean, there are plenty of dudes that just love 2.0, and I understand why. It just kind of depends on what you're into, but at least he acknowledges the majesty of the Great Woodstock. Yeah,
1: Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really fantastic music.
0: Yeah, I think if, if you were to argue for best ever version, I mean, and I I am not the kind of person that argues for that. I don't think you should choose best ever versions. No, I think you should only choose favorite versions. think there's a big difference um but uh, this is pretty spectacular stash i mean um i I don't hesitate to say um, a defining moment in their in their career
1: yeah and i think for what it does like i said it's it it traverses a lot of improvisational territory in a very sleek slick fast you know very together manner right i think 12 minutes of improv can get dull and boring. Right. Um, if it's not done right. And this was, it was perfect. Yeah. And like you said, where it, it moves through a lot of stuff and it, it does kind of a traditional stash build and, and then it builds up to this gorgeous peak with a yeah. shredding tray and then falls off a cliff really fast and goes into that sort of the maybe so, maybe not background singing and yeah. hits this repetitive, super psychedelic theme and then yeah. is instantly at 11 again. And just that moment from like being huge dropping down to nothing and then boom over the top again is like the roller coaster of that was was unbelievable music like yeah. as a band to be that tight and that in sync um, it and you to physically watch that part of it again um, they are feeling that Yeah, all of them are feeling that and like this is one this was the moment where I think Fishman's gonna knock his drum kit over Right. when the when the video goes to him the whole thing is just shaking and he's hammering like the china cymbals up high and he's like normally he he is able to achieve a huge amount of music without a lot of physical motion right like he drums very uh his body is very conservative but man it is that drum kit is wiggling on on the riser because he's hitting so hard yeah. it, it it's amazing and page two, like, I think he's going to slam his head into the lip of his <laughs> piano, like, as he's playing. Like, the whole band is is really getting at
0: And Trey's it. fingers are moving so fast, and he's doing so much wild improvisation. And there's, like, yeah. I guess not a lot of thought, but there is certainly something flowing from him. And you're kind of yeah. like, I remember watching it and just being like, how is, how is it going from, like, his brain through his body, through his fingers to the guitar, like, so seamlessly and... Just he was yeah. really in the zone. And yeah, they really kind of um perfecting that psychedelic turn um in jams like this. Um they're just unmatchable in other bands. And I might say yep. I don't want to speak for, you know, new fans of fish or people that are just kind of getting into fish. But when I first got in when I first got the live one, You know, the live album. I had been listening to them for, you know, a couple of years or, yeah, I guess like a year and a half. And I I felt pretty versed with their music. But, and I could handle You Enjoy Myself because it's very like composed and I had listened to it, you know, a number of times off Junta. But at the time when I got this, the tweezer and the hairy hood were probably a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, in terms mm-hmm. that I just didn't quite understand what was happening yet. It took me longer. Sure. The, the hairy Hood I figured out before the tweezer. And then eventually when we had your magical psychedelic birthday party, that was when I finally <laughs> understood that tweezer. Because I do remember kind of like having the tweezer on in the background and being like, what is this noise? This is not music. And then eventually I heard it you know, in the right way when I understood how Fish improvised and how the music worked. And I was like, oh, my God, this might be the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um,
1: we had fun that night. Yeah. And, and I always thought it being was really
0: great. Kind of cool that my opinion could vary so much. But what I, my point being is this stash was kind of like the most I could handle at the time. Like, I remember getting the live album and listening to this and just being like, whoa, that was about the most intense musical yeah. experience I've ever had but I still understood it. Um, yeah, yeah. And and so I think that that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, and I think that it will live on forever as kind of like filling that role of being like um, a good entry point into the heavy stuff, I guess I might say. And the
1: quality of that recording, like yeah. as we talk about Kevin Shapiro releasing live recordings for us, I know that both summer and fall 94 where multi-track every show was multi-track recorded for a live album. Right. So if they're mixing stuff as good as they like, yeah. I, I just yeah like uh, this stash is amazing, but I would like that quality for all of it, please. Yeah. Because I I I know what where my free time would be spent.
2: <laughs> um,
1: but to move from that stash to this yam, yeah, like this is I uh, there's gonna come a time where we choose you enjoy myself to be. Our, we have to pick our top threes. And I, I'll heartily say now, I don't know that I'll be able to not pick this one. Um, So we can discuss it now. When we hit that point in this podcast, I may just say, "Um, yep, remember we talked about that one? That's the one. Right. But uh, it just sits so deep in the lore of what fish means to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I needed to re-listen to this at all. Right. I know Every note of this, yeah. Um, so re watching it was really fun because you know I'd only watched it once
0: or twice,
2: right? So
1: seeing it again was amazing, but every note lives within me. Like, I feel like I could scat sing the whole song,
0: right? When do you think the I, I'd have to go back and do some research, but and I'm not going to do this singing, but the the da 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 like, when yeah. did that first start in YAM? Like, I mean, this is the per- like, this is the perfection of it. I feel like they yeah. really just do it perfectly. I don't like, know. Like yeah. three, three ninety four 93,
1: 94, that stretch. Yeah. It's kind of like how the groove is in the heart. Baseline became the thing in like 98, 98 for yeah, a while there. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's just sometimes the theme finds its way into the song. Yeah. But yeah, it composed section perfect. I thought Mike shreds bass all the way through this song. Yeah. Um, and then when it hits the solo, it's, it, it starts out with a little bit of Trey playing, then goes to nothing. And then we have our third aggressive audience clapping. (laughs) Right. That weirdly, it almost feels a hair off beat when you're listening to it, Mm -hmm. just almost a tiny bit off beat. And the way that the band connects to the audience and hits on the claps on Mm -hmm. the upbeat like, it's weird, too, when you watch the video, because Mike is like sitting back on like back by the drum riser in the dark.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he he whips his front pickups on and is playing these really interesting high notes. And the minute it really connects, he just stands up and walks forward because he's like, oh, shit, this is great. Yeah. Um, And it hits this moment where all of the band is playing these and you have to watch Trey for this. But he's like, has his knee up super high and he's stomping <laughs> he's his leg. So happy. And, but the moment of band audience interaction is really one of the high points of the whole show. Yeah. And that transitioning from a little bit of a guitar solo immediately into an, an 11 out of 10 energy Frankenstein cover. Yeah. It's like Trey replaces his guitar solo in Yet You Enjoy Myself with Frankenstein. Yeah. And it is it is is. Everything. It's the, almost
0: like the, the Frankenstein was oh demanding my to be played. Like, it's almost like the song itself sucked itself into the jam. Like, yeah. It almost seemed like an unconscious, like, uh, this is, oh, is this happening? Oh my goodness. But it's so different. And natural. every
1: band member yeah. is playing beyond their abilities for Frankenstein. Yeah. Like, Page's solos in it, every Fishman drum solo, it is, it is 10 out of 10. It is everything that, you know, Fish can put into a cover song. And when you do arrows or wedge a cover song or something, or like a, a tease of a song into a jam, it's not always smooth. But the way they come out of Frankenstein, they land exactly note perfect where they were before. Right. And it's such a achievement as a band. Like, this whole show is that kind of tight, but this is, I think, the pinnacle of that. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect, perfect.
0: And then I think about, like, Frankenstein. So... So I saw Frankenstein for the first time at uh, Vegas, the Aladdin Theater in 96. Mm-hmm. And even then, they were playing Frankenstein. And I remember nobody around me knew what song it was. And um, I remember even Kevin Hempstreet being like, you know, what song is this? And I'm like, well, it sounds like a classic rock song, but i am not and I even listened to classic rock my whole life. And like, I'm sure that I'd heard this song, but I didn't know the Edgar Winner group and I didn't know it by name. So I just kind of like, I feel like, did members of the audience just kind of give Bish credit for having written it? Or like, <laughs> did people actually know the song? Um,
1: I think it's more popular in the 70s and 80s than people know. Yeah. Like, I have that 45. And I like, you know, with having kids now, every holiday that comes up, we try and make holiday themed music well, sure, yeah. Um And Halloween is pretty short. Like, there aren't enough good Halloween songs. Mm-hmm. Anyone out there writing songs, let's make some more.
0: I don't know. I've got it. I got a four disc mix for Halloween,
1: but it's it's tight. <laughs> it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, And Thriller can't be on there anymore. So, you right. know, we're like narrowing it down. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Yeah. But,
0: it, but anyway, they own this cover. I mean, this is not yes. a cover where they're just kind of like they're playing it. They're trying to turn it into their own. Like they've owned it. It's now their song. Um, yeah,
1: And it's the way it's played, the energy and the power And just just tearing the place up. Yeah. And, you know, the transition out being so perfect into Mike's bass solo, which, again, perfect. And the little Frankenstein tease in the bass solo is so great.
2: (laughs) Um, And him and Fishman
1: connecting so well. (laughs) the vocal jam's fine i mean yeah you know you can listen through or skip as you like but I, this tying up such a such a run of music there i mean like 40 minutes in the middle of the second set is like you said it's peak fish
0: but even if you're not a you enjoy myself person even if you're not a frankenstein person if you're a segue uh, person if you're a segue person do not miss this the segues in and out of frankenstein are amazing
1: yeah i I just think if you like music. It it never stops moving. <laughs> it never gets boring. It never stops moving. It's just fun. Yeah. Um. Personified. Really, really, really great. Yeah. Can't say enough. Um. And then I know we spent a an arguably large amount of time on Julie previously, but this Julius rips. Yes, like this was really, really great. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is the beginning of the victory lap that mm. I talk about at the end of really good shows. Right. Um, and honestly, we can I'm happy to jump straight through all four of these and call it one four song victory lap.
0: It really is. Um, I, I got to say they're all yeah. perfect. The Golgi is like one of my favorites. I can't remember the last time I heard a Golgi that was like i mean golgi's golgi right but like when they make a mistake in golgi you really notice it um and this one not only is there no mistakes but the dynamics are fucking unreal um and the grin
1: on trey's face and the blue lights when it (laughs) drops to the quiet solos like it is my god it's like being underwater it's beautiful
0: yeah i wrote for this set like say what you will on this set but energy is a plus tightness is a plus dynamics a plus yeah so
1: like you that's what you want in a band right like maybe they aren't playing the songs you want to hear but who cares right. they're, they're every song they're playing is like note perfect in its execution and the energy is through the roof and the improvisation doesn't drag ever right so like a little in the it's ice but other than that like it is it is straight to the top all the time So Um, very impressive
0: when this show was released on Dinner in a Movie, uh, a lot of the comments that I heard said about it was great show, super tight, amazing to see them perform, you know, in this fashion. But it pales in comparison to a lot of 94 shows. And I think that the reason why they're saying that is because you got all these big tweezers in the fall and whatever. There are other shows that are much jammier and have bigger jams. But to me, I think that that the opinion that for some reason a bigger jam is better comes more from the 99 and after era where composed sections were a little painful or weren't quite as exciting and you were just kind of waiting for the jam. Hmm. But I personally feel like just these composed sections are so lightning and they're so like I just love them and I find it so satisfying to watch the band like rip through these composed sections and play them so perfect um, and I don't necessarily get more out of a I mean I don't know I don't know what I'm saying necessarily but I, I was a little upset that the show was kind of underrated and and described that way just because it didn't have like big jams but then going back I mean I don't know what you want like between the Reba and the Stash and the M I mean I guess it's the yeah, sort of first set that there's like no jamming in the first set. Maybe that's the issue that they have or maybe these people are just maybe. in it for the jams. I, I don't know.
1: But the 12 minutes, uh, let's even break that down more. The six to seven minutes of improvising in the stash yeah. are better than most 25 minute jams you're going to play me.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: They, go, they traverse more territory. Yep. They're more lightning perfect where the whole band is in sync. Everyone's moving together. They have funny parts they have, scary parts they have, totally over-the-top effervescent joy they're like, it, yeah. it, it hits all of the buttons in a short time and I remember when Fish came back in the 3.0 early days it took a while but once they started improvising again, everyone was talking about how it was nothing like 2.0 right. because there weren't these boring ass half hour jams where you're like, dude, just fast forward to 23 minutes and that <laughs> last 7 minutes, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because they were cutting that out, they were saying, "You know what? The band's learning to improvise in these new ways." Right. Um, and I actually started listening to them again a little bit then, because yeah. I said, "Wow, they're they're like getting back to they're moving through their themes and ideas swiftly, yeah, and with accuracy and listening well." And I, I mean, th- that's why I love 1.0 Fish because right. yes, in '97, '89, there were longer, you know, in early 2000, there were longer jams. But a lot of those you don't have to skip around, right? So if someone's yeah. complaining, like, "Well, yeah, this stash is great, but there's this, you know, twenty-five minute stash that I heard from somewhere in '97 or '98 that is like so great all the way through," yeah. I get that and I understand. But I, I, I'd like to say from that moment, there is nowhere that peaks as hard as this, no, or harder. I should say, there's nowhere that the the compose section is as tight as this. And there's nowhere that it is able to go from dropping down to a two and then jamming straight back up to a ten as quick as this. Right. They're just a well-oiled machine. And, you know, 93, 4 fish, it really is a thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think 95, 6 is also kind of its thing, and then 7, 8, 9 is its thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, grouping it into these little segments. But this stretch where, you know, this show, the next show, and the one after, um, God, I love all three of them, and there's no giant jams for many. Yeah. But it's going to be some of the funnest fish we ever discuss on this (laughs) podcast, I think. (laughs) Totally. Like, just pure joy and energy and, like... Can I go see that band again?
0: I, I guess, like, coming from 1.0, there is, like, a certain sort of, like, when they play a composed section perfect, it really lights me up. I get so excited. Yes. I'm just like, they oh, played yes. it perfect! Oh, my God! <laughs> but I can imagine oh. if you started in 2.0 or 3.0 that you just wouldn't have that perspective because at no point would you ever expect a perfect rendition. Um, but we were just trained to expect that. That was, like, one of the things that we bragged about is, like... Man, they have this incredibly hard music, but they nail it every time, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I can't believe I'm referencing culture this way. Um, and I, God, I could talk to you for an hour about this. But I just listened. Chuck Klosterman has a podcast now. Oh, and I listened cool. to an episode recently that wow. uh, it, it's a little heady.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but him and another another person are discussing what did rock do? Because they believe rock's dead. Like right. music, maybe is also dead, but rock is dead, and it existed in this fifty year window. Um, and they they kind of said like internet and meme culture and TikTok culture and social media has replaced what music did for teenagers in the current idiom. But uh-huh. I mean, fuck that in so many ways, but I hear what they're saying, but I saw a meme post the fish new, you know, the, the remake of the new year shows that just happened in April. Uh, that it's that classic thing of Ben Affleck standing outside smoking a cigarette looking super exhausted and sad. Right. And it said, you know, this is Trey after the four-night New Year's run wondering why he made so many difficult composed songs that he had to remember.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I get that, but this this was not the 94 Trey. No. 94 Trey was like, oh, shit, we're going to go out and crush these songs. Yeah. We are going to hit... Every section, we're gonna practice it so hard and hit every section so hard and fast and tight that we are gonna blow people's fucking minds. Right. And it's yes, it's different now. And I remember in Bittersweet Motel, he's like, I don't give a shit if I hit a section right. It's all about energy.
2: Yeah.
1: And by 97 or 98, I think this fish had changed. Um, I do think they were also incredibly tight in 97, 98. And I do think there were sections where the band as a whole, were are playing more intricate versions of these songs. Yeah. Um, especially the rhythm section, stepping up and doing way more complicated things in the composed sections. Um, but I do hear where he's coming from. Yeah. And I do understand now why the composed sections don't quite have the same dexterity. Right. Like I think one of the nights in the, the run that just happened, people said, you know, they they closed, they encored with It's Ice or something. And they're like, yeah, and Trey played it perfect. Yeah. Like, but that was never discussed at this point because <laughs> it, every time it was, it always was played perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, So, like, that's that's why it's a band that rehearses and goes out and plays yeah. it. It's it's close to perfect every fucking time. And it's also so,
0: perfect at, like, three-quarter time. You know, it's, like, way slower so that he can, like, get yeah. the notes. And the tone is a and little bit And I get it. Different. You're getting older. like yeah.
1: No, it's fine. But, but why not? play those songs less and play more of our modern material that is less difficultly composed and be a new different band and kind of let some of that stuff fall by the wayside and embrace your difference. Yeah. Play to your strengths
0: Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I will say Um, that um, just to get back to the Reba's because we were talking about a little bit, the Alpine Valley uh, 97 Reba, again, great show, Kevin. Um, Hmm. He knows, he knows. Um, but Mike's yeah, no playing knows. in that Reba is stunning. Like, I remember oh like listening yes. to that Reba yes. and just be like, man, I could almost choose this just for Mike's playing. So yeah, I mean, as time went on, Mike became a much bigger power player and he kind of change the intricacies of a lot of songs and then you know what another super great reba was was that 99 great woods show you were at seven thirteen. i listened to that one too and i was like this is a killer reba too that was one of the highlights of the whole night and again mike just wow i mean you know just adding such a different component to that song that he wasn't in these earlier years so you know things
1: well we will you know it's going to be a while till we complete 100 of these we're on 20 though and it's flying by and i'm having the time of my life um but when we get to 100 I feel like we're we're mentally through this making a list.
2: Yeah.
1: Um of the outliers of shows that should make it. Um and I do think that we will do a, an episode on Alpine Valley. Right. I think we'll do an episode on 71698. And I think we'll uh probably do an episode on 113096. I mean there's these shows that should be on this list that aren't. Yeah. Um and I think as we go through we can amass a list of those, so it feels good that some like this. The Alpine Valley is starting to register with you, and um, you know, reminding me of how incredible that night was. Right,
0: it's good. Um, did you by chance listen to the twelve thirty ninety six? This is a Sam. Uh, Sam had a, a spiritual, religious experience at twelve thirty ninety six, and I did <laughs> notice that the Reba was uh, like a was highlighted as being a super. I did Yeah.
1: I didn't. I remember those yeah. shows sound kind of garbage. They so do. I, they I sound worse than garbage.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is what I want to spend my life doing. Um, all right. Tying up seven eight uh definitely deserves to be on the list. For sure. Um both of us are big fans. Um top twenty-five, probably just for where it lies in my life. Um huge show. Listen, enjoy, watch. Um, and the before we get into a couple of recommendations, the next episode of um, our our fine, famous, fabulous, fantastic podcast, um, episode twenty one is going to be seven thirteen ninety four at the Ooh, Big Birch Concert so Pavilion excited. in Patterson.
0: So excited! See,
1: this is a show that I had these tapes, and I remember driving around in New Hampshire in high school listening to these soundboards. Yeah, in my Jetta, like little shitty Jetta with all the stickers on it, um, in the tape deck. And I probably haven't listened to the show in 20 years.
0: I just listened. And I have. Yeah, I am so excited. (laughs) Well, I just listened to the uh, the tweezer Julius tweezer last episode because. Yes, because I was talking about that, Julius. Um, And yeah, I mean, the second set's fucking ridiculous. But I Matt D had um, one of these bootleg CDs that you're not supposed to buy of the second set of this show. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember kind of like looking at the set list and just being like, "Cameron Wilson, Cameron, what's that all about?" And he's like, "Oh, you gotta hear it!" Oh, that
1: that blew my mind when I was a kid. I was like, "Wait a minute, what? They're putting two, turning two songs into a song somehow? This is the weirdest. Like, it yeah. sounds like a mistake, but it's not a mistake. It just." Yeah, yeah. well, we're, we're gonna get deep into it. I'm excited,
0: but I don't know much about the set. The first set, I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to that in years. So who knows? Maybe the the first set'll be a disaster, and it'll be one of these 50 uh, 50 shows. I doubt but, it. Well, <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> um, uh,
1: and I think we, I, you know, I I dug through the list a little, the set list. I thought about it, um, and I think we're gonna have to do top three possums. Uh, okay, sure. It's gonna be big. It's gonna take a lot of work. Uh, I'll go on record possum is not one of my favorite fish songs Mm -hmm. possum 3.0 is definitely not one of my favorite fish songs sure but uh uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of work, so I'm excited.
0: Well, I guess I would say just straight out before we even get there that if you tasked me with choosing my favorite possums, I would just choose seven, thirteen, ninety four, hands down, without even thinking about it. That it is my favorite, yeah. be just if only for Fishman's vocal commentary. And if you don't know what that is, just listen to it and just focus <laughs> only on Fishman. And if you aren't laughing out loud by the end, I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with you. Um, we'll see
1: what what got me was i knew this possum is is uh, a reverent, and then going back to the spreckles theater i listened to a few you know a few songs from that show because i missed it so much and that possum just rules
0: yeah it so does.
1: it made me go wow maybe i need to dig into some of the more of these you know 93 possums."
0: possum and... oh man fishman
1: yeah. see where you. it gets us <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to it. Oh, a couple more I'm thinking I, there's a couple of like weird ones I'm thinking about. 8893 I think has a unique jam to it.
1: Okay, it's gonna be fun. Oh, yep, yep. It's gonna be fun.
0: Okay. Um and then uh outside of the fish world recommendations, um what are we doing? Well I uh the King Gizzard and uh Lizard uh, wizard is getting all the getting all the fish online hype. Um, The past couple weeks, as far as their new album is concerned, has this big jam Dripping Tap on it. I like it. I think Dripping Tap is the fantastic prog rock song. Um, It's a long album and there is a lot of variety to it. But I just am having a hard time completely getting on board because I'm not hearing the ethereal. I'm not hearing the beautiful. Um, these are kind of like things that I feel like are kind of missing from the band. They're more of like a groove-based band. And I think they're great. I'm not shitting on them. Their live show is amazing. And it's definitely worth checking out the album. But in terms of new releases, I'm going to go spiritualized new release. Um, I'm yeah, a big spiritualized a good, guy. And I think the new album is incredible, especially in juxtaposition with their last album. I think listening to like those two albums together, I believe they were kind of recorded at the same time. Um, And then the second one was mastered, but I saw them live um, at a very small venue, their show right before Coachella, and they like blew out some of these songs that are like four or five minutes. They ended up being like 12, 13 minutes, these like huge freak out jams in the end, and they were just incredible. So I would say check out the Spiritualized albums. They're really moving. And if you get a chance to see them live, absolutely do do that doo-doo and uh doo-doo and then my last recommendation <laughs> is um i'm loving this uh rush moving pictures 40th anniversary release oh huh. the album sounds the mastering on the album sounds incredible and then there's a live show from 81 with a great set list and uh yeah i listened to the live show and i just loved every second of it and i I just felt like I got beat up by rock and roll when it was over. So if you're a Rush fan, nice. check it out.
1: I'll have to do a re listen on that. It's been right. a while. I have no music this week. Oh, okay. I'm going to be that guy, um, or this month. I there's been a bunch of new releases that have been eh. Like I, I'm trying. Right. Um. It's 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 been a long month, but I've been doing a lot of really good escaping into television. Oh, okay. And um. God, it'll be a quick run here, but, uh, HBO has just been hammering good shows. Uh, the second season of the flight attendant, um, can't say enough about how good that's been already. Oh, okay. Barry season three just started. Yeah. Um, also, you know, Bill Hader being a dark hit man, um, yeah. the win- <laughs> Winkler Batman. killing it. Uh, it's yeah. been also great. I haven't watched the second episode, but I may try and get to it tonight. Um, severance yeah i don't know if you've watched severance severance uh, was incredible I'm and i think halfway through yeah. so don't spoil me but oh no spoilers. it is yeah. it is such a mood it's such that, a mood like the minute i start watching <laughs> it i'm i'm wrapped around into the show and i can't stop looking at it yeah yeah uh, it is it's incredible. It's
0: very much for me. Um, it's very much like it has like David Lynch vibes to it. It's weird. Oh it's my god! It's a weird show. It's very like like I enjoy like it so it's much. Mood, But it's very fishy, and I I, I have a hard mm. time imagining that really any fish fan wouldn't love Severance. Um, the music is incredible too. Yeah, yes. it's just a beautifully well done show. Ben Stiller's baby. It's great. And Sam. Every episode just gets better, and the last episode yeah, was just it's fucking mind blowing. So
1: I can't. I I it. They're long. Yeah. So I'm kind of like consuming it in smaller amounts. So I don't walk around feeling that way. Yeah.
2: All day
1: because I put myself into these things, you know, I'm, I, yeah. I, get, I go deep.
0: No, after the first episode, I was like, do heavy. I want to do this? Like, I'm not sure. I like, yes. I know it's art, but I don't know whether I want to do it or not. And then I kept, I pushed through <laughs> and then by episode three, I was like, all right, I'm totally addicted. Um,
1: yeah. And the last, maybe something we discuss next time, but I I've only watched the trailer. I'm not, sure when the first episode is out or if they're dropping it all at once but the kids in the hall new season oh yeah you watched the trailer for it so excited <laughs> oh
0: my god it looks so good i actually got just the trailer
1: itself oh like it's everything i want in my life
0: i follow all the kids in the hall and i got like an ad today that there's <sighs> now they've just released kids in the hall bongs glass bongs available bill your local head shop dealer and it has like pictures oh. of them on the side and it says on the back it says i'm crushing your head and it was like how did who convinced you to get into bongs uh but whatever
1: i think it's like <laughs> do you want a new car because if you want a new car you could just sign off on this and i'm gonna hand you a check
2: yeah.
1: and and you're yeah. at a certain point in life where you're like you know what yep Yep. That sounds like a good plan. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to go on vacation with the kids. I'm going to, you know, I, I understand. I I think, and you know, I I'm been such a fan of the 60 songs that explain the nineties podcast. And um, I'm also reading Chuck Klosterman's new book called the nineties. And uh, both of the, that podcast and this book get very deep into this concept of selling out. Sure. And how for you and me, that is, a part of our vernacular and what it was like being younger and what that means to us um, and how we fit into society and that that term means nothing. Now. Yeah, it and selling out is actually celebrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but another one they were discussing how there's people now who are famous because they're just they wanted always wanted to be famous and they get famous for being wanting to be famous. Right. Sure. And that they love it and they're good at it and that a lot of people that were famous before like a lot of actors and musicians, they actually hate the fame. They just love the work and the art. Yeah. And love being able to make a living doing the work and the art so that there's a potential that these people who just love the fame to be fame, AKA Kardashians and such, are taking a spotlight from the people that didn't want it in the first place and therefore performing a positive public service.
0: Sure, I've heard Shep say that before,
2: yeah.
0: Which I like, but
1: selling out being a thing that never happened um, or doesn't happen anymore and happened when we were younger. When I think about things like the kids in the hall signing off on bongs, people who are buying I mean, I don't need a bong. I,
2: yeah.
1: I'm going to, I'm grown up now, but who knows? Yeah. Um, But people buying three foot bongs with kids in the hall on it, are not us anymore. They're right. of a younger generation who doesn't get
0: the concept of selling out.
1: Right. So why not take that check? Plus, it's those like,
0: guys have worked hard. Plus, it's not like they're gonna make any real money off having their picture on a bong. I mean, that, that like when I think yeah, of selling it, that... <laughs> you never know.
1: I don't know what the bong market is these <laughs> days. Maybe that maybe that's a huge market.
0: Not, not a huge market.
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: Well, I guess pot is legal, I but I think people are smoking it in, in different ways. But, but either way, the kids in the hall can totally sell out. Like when you know what they've been through, Please, like yes. you've heard their stories. Yes. Like, I mean, my God, like Scott Thompson and Dave Foley, they've all been put through the ringer in the worst way. Um yeah. So, like, whatever they want to do to pay their bills, I've got their back one hundred percent. Yes. So, so yeah, that there are other and people that the don't, show
1: looks. I think,
0: I think more of the selling out comes from the people that don't need to do it. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? You don't need money. Mm. Why are you doing this? Like, that's where yeah. it kind of gets me. Um, but yeah, I'm from the sellout generation and I still buy into it a little bit. Although I do like it, like when I hear like... Um, you know, like a song from a band that I'm sure is struggling is just barely paying the bills by being on the road and they get their song in a bank commercial. I think there's like a part of me that, like you said, that came from the 80s and 90s that gets a little cringe for a second. And then I just think like, oh, they can pay their rent now. That's good. You know, like I like these yeah. guys. Let them, let them make a little money. Seeing as how the music industry isn't paying people for their music anymore. They got to make it somewhere. So.
1: Yeah, and concerts died for two years. Yeah, so, I totally. mean, what, what's supposed to happen? Absolutely. So, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, not saying that I think I'm one side or the other on the fence of selling out, per se. Yeah. I just find it as a heady, enjoyable concept to discuss. So, um, And the fact that it was a big thing and now it's gone.
0: Yeah, and speaking of heady, stop yeah. by your local head shop for Kids in the Hall, Bong. Um, I do want yeah,
1: to, or buy two. <laughs> buy one for a friend. Let's get that bong market up there somehow.
0: Send one to the companion. To the companion. We'll try it out for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did want to recommend. I don't. I can't remember if I recommended this on the short show before, but I can't say enough about the amount of laughter and intensity of laughter that the mcgruber tv show brings to me so <laughs> if you don't mind um things that I'm are way over the top and a uh, humor that takes things <laughs> way too far things that are so violent that you need to look at the way at the uh, look away from the tv screen but yet will make you cry with laughter then mcgruber is for you
1: they said it couldn't be done the reverse throat rip welcome to <laughs> throat rip history buddy <laughs>
0: that was an amazing was my... episode oh man i love that episode. through the back <laughs>
1: Yes, I watched the whole thing and I laughed so hard all the way through. Yeah. it was that was that was special. Yeah, it was really great.
0: <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, on that note, what a pleasure, Sam. Uh, great episode.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure. I'm um, looking forward to uh, 21. So we're almost there. Absolutely. And, um, we'll talk soon and we'll we'll have all of you give us a listen
0: soon as well. Lucky 21. All right. Yep. OK, Blackjack. See you Take next care. time. Bye bye. I don't know.
1: hello there friends and thank you for listening if you have any questions comments concerns or would like to reach out to Ian and I about anything at all you can find us at companion to the companion at gmail.com blackjack